0: Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Those are fast feet right there. Right? Those things are cooking. Gonna have a good time. All right, any last-minute kids ready to head out? Uh, All right, Jason, no, you gotta stay put. All right, go get them. All right, so feet, huh? Feet. How would you describe feet? What are words that you would, what? what? Hurt, right? Sometimes our feet hurt, right? Walking. What are the ways would we describe feet? You can kick off your shoes if you need to. Kind of remind you, stinky. I heard some stinky feet here. Yeah. Yeah, what did you say? Dry, dry, crackly, gangly, bunions. We won't raise our hands on bunions or things like that, right? We get all kinds of these images when we think about feet. Here we are, but beautiful feet. Now, some of you might be going, honestly, I've got great feet, right? So you go ahead and just keep those things covered. Beautiful feet. You know, that's actually a way that is described in the Bible, in Isaiah. It's talking about how beautiful are the feet on the mountains of the one who brings good news. It's this imagery of a city under siege. A city that is under siege and all seems lost And then this herald comes running in from the mountain and their feet look a shambles, torn up on rocks. Have you ever gone barefoot through stones? Right? They're torn up, they're bloodied, they're dirty, they're dusty, they're dry and cracked, seemingly anything but beautiful. But they're coming bringing good news of salvation to this city. That the Lord himself would come and rescue beautiful are the feet on the mountains of the one who brings good news. As we look at uh, what, all that Jesus has done in his life, and last week we celebrated his resurrection, and it begs the question for us, what's next? How does this continue? How does what Jesus start continue And we find this recorded for us in the book of Acts. And so, as we study this New Testament book of Acts together, we're going to take a good long time to study uh, Acts together. We're looking at the spread of the good news of the kingdom of God who came, that came through the life, death, resurrection, and enthronement of Jesus. This is indeed good news for a world under siege. And this good news spreads through us, our feet. Those of us who have been transformed by his grace, who have been forgiven by his mercy, who bear his love within us. We are the ones who have beautiful feet. Your feet are beautiful because you and I are the ones who bring good news into a world under siege. Isn't that something? So no matter how twisty, knotty, hairy, dry your feet may be, oh baby, they are beautiful. Peter, you have beautiful feet. You have beautiful feet, I'm telling you, right? This is what it is. Mark's feet are beautiful, Art and Irene, your feet are beautiful. We are those who bear good news. So let's jump in here, Acts Chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Might as well start right at the beginning. All right? So, uh, Acts was written as you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, as we let me give it a little bit of context here. So, Acts uh, was written by Luke, the same guy who wrote the gospel. Of Luke, And he was a witness to the things of Jesus. And uh, our best sense is that he was also a companion of uh, who would become the Apostle Paul. Of course, at this point in Acts, there is no Apostle Paul. Uh, there's a, a Saul that's going around and doing horrific things, but there's no Apostle Paul yet. But But Luke is the one who recorded these things. And so we look at Luke's scroll as two parts. The first part of his writing is what we have preserved for us as the gospel of Luke about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so then Acts picks up with his resurrection and takes it on. And all of this is the story of what what Jesus is doing. For Jesus' ministry continues, and what we learn is Jesus' ministry continues through his spirit alive in his people. Jesus' ministry continues through his spirit alive in his people, And we're going to take a look throughout this series of what that looks like, both in the first century, but it's going to make a lot of sense in ours too. Because as the news of Jesus spreads, it faces opposition. There's opposition within this new thing called the church. There are even people who are corrupted or deceivers who are within this community. There are dividers within the community of the church. That can make a little bit of sense, right? Because let's be honest, the church, like we're a mixed bag of people. Sometimes maybe even uh, you are struggling with or somebody you know is struggling with. Like I'm not doing the organized religion thing because there's just too many hypocrites in the church, right? You've you've said that. You've heard that. Uh, You have friends and even children who believe that. And this is the, the struggle. And so even in our day, we face this internal opposition, don't we? We're going to see what that looks like. Uh, we face external opposition uh, those who are opposed to the gracious, beautiful, good news of Jesus. And so we, uh, even today, we face this external opposition. And we might be surprised at what shape it takes, but, but as people of beautiful feet, as the fraternity of beautiful feet, we will face that opposition. How do we respond to that? How do we live in the midst of that opposition that we might be bearers of this incredible good news? And so we're going to see those things unfold and Luke wonderfully captures it for us, right? So he uh, is writing this to us and we see right in that first sentence there he's writing it to somebody, Theophilus. Theophilus is a dude and uh, chances are he was a benefactor uh, of the missionary journeys, he was a benefactor, maybe even of Jesus, or a benefactor of Paul or the apostles as they continue to do their spread. And uh, so this is Theophilus; it's a it's a real person, and he's writing to this. All right, that sets this up a little bit. Let's read together. Uh, we're going to just read the first eleven verses here. In my former book, Theophilus, right, because he already wrote They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Hmm. And so here we are. The story continues, Right? Jesus' ministry continues through his spirit alive in his people who are witnesses of all that he has done and is doing. Let me just pause and pray for us for a moment. Jesus, we celebrate your resurrection and life. And right now you are seated at the right hand of the Father We acknowledge your greatness. We acknowledge your beauty. We acknowledge your mercy and your power. And Father, sometimes it's hard for us to see you at work in our midst. Help us to do that. Help us to see that your ministry has not stopped but continues. That your kingdom advances in our world even today when so much looks dark and bleak. Give us your eyes to see by the power of your spirit. Give us your ears to hear by the power of your spirit. And give us hearts that are receptive to what you teach us and show us that we might be changed. Father, there are some here today who are are sleepy towards you. Maybe they've never given themselves to you or maybe they've, they've gotten sleepy in their faith. I pray that you would stir in our hearts and awaken those who are slumbering today. I pray that you would soften our stubbornness today. I pray that you would encourage us, for those who feel discouraged, that you would encourage us in our souls today. Do a work here in our midst that we might bear witness to your ministry that continues in our day. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our resurrected King. Amen. Amen. This is, this is important worldview for us, right? Worldview, how, how do we engage the world? How do we think about the world? How do we live our lives? And at the heart of this, it keeps coming back to the ministry of Jesus continues in our day through his spirit alive in his people. Right, And so we see here, as Luke is getting the ball rolling in Acts, in this recording of uh, what Jesus' ministry looks like ongoing, he's reminding us that that this is Jesus' ministry. And I love how he picks up where he left off after the resurrection. Jesus is resurrected and he's appearing to many people. And again, this becomes very important, just as, as proof of the resurrection that he appeared to many people. If the if the tomb was empty, but there's no appearances, then one might suspect it was simply a grave robbery. All right? But here he is, the tomb is empty and he's appearing. He's appearing. And this isn't a um, just a, like a vision or a ghost like there's there's nobody that's talking about this in terms of it being, well, it's just a ghost. It's a it's a phantom, it's a wisp. This is Jesus was dead, and now Jesus is alive. And as Jesus is alive, he's he's drawing them in. He's appearing to to them so that they can see him. Some, they're they're even touching him, right? Thomas touches the wounds. Isn't that something? Even Jesus' resurrected body is carrying the wounds of his crucifixion. I mean, there's something about his body that is familiar there's something about his body, the resurrected body, that is distinct. It will never decay or die again. And so even as we think about the resurrection that we'll be a part of, our resurrected bodies, it will be a transformation of what we're familiar with in our bodies, right? And Jesus' Jesus' resurrection gives us a glimpse of that. So his, his resurrection is becoming very tangible into this moment. Let that sink in. If, if Jesus died, and rose again, all of the math of the universe is changed. Like the the equation is changed at that point because the math always said dead people stay dead. And now Jesus is making it clear, oh, but things are different. Things are different now. And so here was a dead man who is alive Again, And so he's making these appearances and as he's with them, Luke is telling us he's not just appearing to them in a woohoo, here I am, but he's teaching them. He's speaking with them about the kingdom of God. In other words, through his resurrection, everything that they had known about the kingdom of God now comes into focus. You might remember, Luke records for us this back in the gospel. There were a couple of men walking on the road to Emmaus. And post-resurrection, Jesus saddles up alongside of them and walks with them, but they don't see that it's him. They don't recognize it as him until they get to their destination and they convince him to stay. And he's describing for them all of the scriptures All of the scriptures, we have it as our Old Testament, it was the Hebrew scriptures of Jesus' day, they had, and he was explaining to them all of the scriptures and how all of the scriptures led to Messiah who would suffer and rise again. And then as he broke the bread over the meal, their eyes were opened, he disappeared, like fantastic time for him to disappear. But, and then their, their response to each other was, oh, weren't our hearts burning when he was talking to us about the scripture. Weren't our hearts burning as he was opening up the scriptures for us? And so this is, these are the conversations that Jesus is having over and over and over again with his people, with his followers, with his disciples. He's opening up the scriptures for them to describe the realities of the kingdom of God and what it means now in light of his resurrection And he was opening their eyes to see the kingdom of God in terms of this new resurrection reality. Jesus launched his ministry by proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe this good news. Jesus is continuing his ministry. And so we see through his life, what he does, what he teaches is all anchored around. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And now that he has died and resurrected, and his death, they thought the whole experiment was done. It was gone. Like there's no more. His resurrection. Whoa, he's here. Let's pick up where we left off. And he's describing to them what that actually means. So Jesus' ministry was always about the kingdom of God drawing near. And this invitation to repent, to see it, to, to turn from our sin and disobedience, to turn towards him in righteousness and obedience, to repent and to believe, to allow the truth of the resurrection to penetrate every aspect of our lives, this belief. So this belief isn't just something we can jot out on paper in response to an essay question. Belief is to take it in to our bones to the depth of who I am, to repent and to believe this good news. Which good news? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Jesus is showing them this ministry. He's opening their eyes to this reality. And so it reminds us, and Luke is making sure, that everything that happens here is built on and is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. Stop, let it sit a second. Luke is making sure that we understand that everything he's recording here is built on and is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus. It wasn't just that Jesus' ministry began after his resurrection. It's been going on. And that ministry continues through the resurrected Christ and those he will empower by his spirit. All right? So this is important for us because this is the part of the story that we are a part of. This is the piece of the story that we are written into. Jesus' ministry is continuing. And this is the foundation of everything Luke is going to record for us and everything we do as a people. Now, one of the questions, you probably heard them ask this question, it sounds a little bit like the disciples, doesn't it? They're asking, when is it going to happen? When is the kingdom going to be restored to Israel? Now, our first glance might be <sighs> dolt disciples, right? But, but listen, listen, listen. Jesus, like we're, we're, we're kind of wired to come down on the disciples that they just don't understand that they're thick. But notice Jesus isn't chastising them. Even in his response, he's drawing them in because he's reframing their reality. For 40 days, he's been with them, teaching them about the kingdom of God. So if we're looking at their response through the lenses like we often do, what does that say about Jesus' ability to teach and to show them? It tells us it's not very good. And yet we've already seen with the two guys on the road to Emmaus, he explains the scriptures, their hearts burned within them, even though they didn't recognize him in the moment, their hearts burned within them. Like you ever had a heart burning like, oh yeah, oh that makes sense. Oh the pieces are coming together. So if those two guys on the road to Emmaus would experience that heart burning as Jesus is explaining the kingdom to them and all that the Hebrew scriptures have been talking about, it's a pretty safe, um, pretty safe bet for us to understand that, that more and more people were coming alive and awakening to this reality. So even in their question... Let's be careful not to quickly jump because they're asking the question, so when does it begin? Jesus, you've been describing to us this kingdom of God at hand and all the scriptures, it centers in Israel, but it doesn't stay there. It doesn't stay there, but it centers in Israel. That's how we got where we're at. And so they're saying, tell us when does it begin? Like we got the resurrection. You've been training us in all these things. Our eyes are open in fresh ways. When do we start? When is the starting line? Let's do it. Like, have you ever been, like, you're, there's something coming and you're really excited about it and you're like, let's go, 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 right? So maybe it's your family vacation. You're getting ready, you're, you're planning. I remember back when I was a, a little kid, we had a huge family vacation, right? Grew up in Michigan and we'd been saving up our money and we're gonna take a trip from Michigan all the way out Route 90 to Seattle, so we're going across, like, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Dakota and Montana and all this. So I've seen things in, in Seattle. We're going to go down, straight down the coast to San Diego, so we're covering the whole West Coast, and then coming over to the Grand Canyon. Like, it was going to be a fabulous trip, and on this big map in our hallway, family hallway, and it was made up of corkboard. The whole wall was corkboard. I think back in the 70s, everything was made of corkboard, so... We had a big map on there, and then we had a picture of our minivan uh, kind of making the trip. So as we saved money, we'd move the van. As we got our tax returns, we'd move the van and that kind of thing. So this whole thing. And there was just this anticipation of what was going on, and we're dreaming about it. We're looking at the books because there was no internet then. And so we're looking, at, and we're planning, and we're talking, and I can't imagine, and we'd never been to this place before, and all these kinds of things. And so we're getting all excited. And the, but like, when do we start when do we get going? You've had trips like that, where you're like, when do we start, when do we get going, when, when's the day? Let's mark it and, and get going on this thing. This is the anticipation they're feeling. They're, they're jacked up, they're, they're, their hearts are burning, and the kingdom of God is alive, the kingdom of God is here, Jesus is here with us, and it's gonna happen, and all this stuff. Like, if Jesus is alive, then all bets are off. Like There is no hindrance. Like, if Jesus is alive, which he is, because he's appearing to us, Then there's nothing stopping it. When does it begin? Reasonable question. But then Jesus replies, look at his reply. It it isn't, you fools, why do you keep doing this? He's like, no, no, no. The the date and the time isn't for you. The movement of the kingdom is governed by the Father. And so it's not a a thing you mark on your calendar, oh, we begin. However, you will know when it begins. The starting gun will be this. You will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit. That's the starting gun. This is when all of this is coming to fruition. And so he's already instructed them, go to Jerusalem and wait. And wait. And as you're waiting, the power will come through the Holy Spirit. The times and the places aren't for you, but what is for you? Power. What is yours? Power through the Holy Spirit. This word that's used uh, to, to say power is um, a dynamis. That might sound like a word that seems familiar to you, right? What word might you guess dynamis often gets translated into our language? Dynamite. Dynamite. Right? And this wasn't like, the kingdom is coming, dynamite. Also hearkening back a little bit. No, no, no. It's this word like power. Kaboom. Like, it's going to go, baby. This is what's going to happen. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power. Dynamis, dynamite, power will be yours. Jesus is like saying, I've got power. You're going to have power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. But yours right now is to wait. And so they're waiting and they're waiting. When is the time going to be? Don't worry about the time. You'll know when it's time. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In the meantime, you wait. And it's going to happen soon. Jesus was even hearkening back to, uh, to uh, the baptism of John. Remember John the Baptist said, because uh, people were coming to him, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And he says, I am not. He says, I baptize you a baptism of repentance by water, but one is coming whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. See, we're talking about feet already. So whose sandals I am unworthy to untie and he will baptize you with the spirit. And so this has been a part of the plan all along. Jesus' crucifixion wasn't a detour of the plan. Jesus' crucifixion, His resurrection was all a part of the plan. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit happens. And what Jesus is affirming for them is the new thing has begun. Listen, listen, listen. The new thing has begun. For it was the very Spirit of God that breathed life into Jesus' dead body. It was the Spirit of God that breathed life into Jesus' dead body. Talk about dynamite. Whoa, that's power from death to life. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. So the new thing has begun. That's the resurrection. Jesus is the firstborn of this new creation. This this new thing that God is doing and in his resurrection it's not just for him, it's gonna spread. So the new thing has begun And it is, listen, listen, it is about to spread. The new thing has begun and it is about to spread and it will happen among all nations. He says, when you receive power, he says, you will be my witnesses here where you're at in the regions just around us and to the ends of the earth. See, God's intention was always to bring the blessing of his new creation life to all of creation. Let's duck back to to Genesis real quick. We go back to Genesis and God is talking to to Abraham, right? He's talking there to to Abram. Genesis 1, 2, and 3, listen to these words. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Get it? You will be blessed and you will be a blessing. Spread is woven into it from the very beginning. I will bless those who bless you. whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people, get this, get this, get this, verse three. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's design, God's intention has always been that while his blessing would touch down in Israel, it would spread over all of creation. And so when does it begin? Where it, wait, and as you wait, the Holy Spirit will come, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. And then you will be my witnesses everywhere, over the whole world. I love that word that he he uses there. You will be my witnesses. This is how the kingdom of God spreads. This is how it spreads. You'll receive power when my spirit comes, and you will, with that power, you will now be witnesses here, there and everywhere. That's sort of the the Dr. Seuss version of what he says here. You will receive power and the power is what equips his people to bear witness, to be witnesses of what he has done. See, it wasn't that that they were... um, having to force, they weren't having to coerce, they weren't having to manipulate and cajole, you'll receive power unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. We're going to talk more about that next week. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. The kingdom spreads through the witness, the spirit-empowered witness of God's people. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we we hold this in this tension. One of the phrases we might use is um, the the kingdom of God is already and not yet. Maybe that's a phrase that you've heard. The kingdom of God is already, and it is not yet. There is a part of the kingdom of God that is already active, and this is what we see here. Empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses, the resurrection of Jesus, the new thing has begun, the kingdom of God is on the move, and and you will be my witnesses uh, near, far, and everywhere. And and so the kingdom of God has, has already begun, a- already. But there also is, and even in this passage that we're reading here, there's a, a not yet component to this because we, we still live in a world that is in opposition to the kingdom of God. And that makes sense because there's the kingdoms of the world. They wanna be the top dog. They wanna be in charge, the powers and principalities of this world. The Apostle Paul talks about that in the New Testament. Right, So we live in a world that is still so heavily governed by the powers and principalities that stand opposed to God. And so we live in this place where the kingdom of God is already on the move, but it is not yet totally fulfilled. And so we have this waiting that we continue to do, even as we bear witness to the lordship of Jesus and the good news of his kingdom. And so we see this in this, uh, as we got towards the end of what we read there, where Jesus is taken up. That's another kind of weird thing, right? I mean, maybe they had a bit of a framework for this with Elijah and his chariot of fire going up in. But here's Jesus. He, He can't die again. And so here he is. He's with them. And as he finishes talking, he ascends. He He rises and and is enveloped by a cloud. See, there's this thin space between heaven and earth. And even how Jesus is doing this is reminding us that this is thin space. The earth is the sphere where creation resides. Heaven is the sphere where God resides. It's not some far off land, go to Pluto, turn left, and go another few millennia. The heaven is this, it's this thin space between heaven and earth. For in Jesus, heaven and earth come together. That's why his incarnation is such an important doctrine, that he is fully man and he is fully God, heaven and earth coming together. Jesus describes himself as the temple. What is the temple? The temple is the place where God resides amongst creation, where heaven and earth come together. Jesus says, destroy that temple, and I'll rebuild it again in three days. He's talking about his own body, that he would be the temple. And then even as scripture goes on, describes the people of God as the temple of God with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And so this space and what uh, the ascension of Jesus, one of the things it's doing for us is it's reminding us that there's this thin space between heaven and earth. Celtic Christians of hundreds of years ago would talk about uh, heaven being about four feet away. And, And they, like four feet, that seems random. But it's just beyond reach, it's just beyond reach. It's just, it's it's there. It's not woohoo way out there, but it's 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 right there. But but it's hard to grasp. It's not within reach. And then they would talk about these moments that became thin spaces where it felt as if you could taste the goodness of heaven. It might be in the spectacular wonder of a newborn child where heaven moves close in thin spaces. It might be in uh, the love shared between two people and the sense of safety and shalom that takes place in good, pure love that's a taste of heaven. It might be in the freedom of forgiveness from a person we have wronged and God himself as heaven moves close. And so I think that's just such a beautiful picture for us to begin to imagine. And and the ascension draws us there. And yes, there was this upward movement of Jesus, but he's enveloped by this cloud, this wisp, like it just, he disappears, and it's just beyond reach. What is Jesus doing? We're told that Jesus, in his resurrected self, ascended to the throne of heaven where he would sit at the right hand of the Father. Where the resurrected Jesus ascended into God's space, the throne of heaven, and he took his seat at the right hand of the Father, the place of power, Imagine the moment as the king of kings takes his throne. Heaven watching and hearing the voice of the father say, well done, son. Well done. This is what Jesus was doing. And as he takes his seat at the right hand of the father, He's ruling and reigning over all of creation this day. That is the seat of authority. The rule of Christ has begun. And it will spread over all of creation. Scripture says that as he sits at the right hand of the Father, he is interceding for his people. That's really something. That the resurrected Christ is interceding for his people. Uh, we can skip over. Uh, I think we find that in, in uh, actually, I'm not going to go there right now. In, uh, in Romans, you're going to find that. Where Jesus is interceding. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding on behalf of his people. He's praying. He's interceding for you. From the throne of heaven, he looks and he sees you. And he intercedes for you. But it wasn't just about his leaving. There's something that these angels leave with him, with, with the, the disciples. Did you hear it there? Right there, looking. Like that, that's weird. That's, that's how to make an exit. Jesus did. And so they're looking. They're wondering. what, what What's going on? And so the Angels appear. So what do you look up in the sky for? And he says, the same way you saw him leave, he will come again. He will come again. See, this is the not yet portion of the playlist. This is where the kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is moving. It is already here. The resurrected Christ birthed this new reality. His spirit empowers it in his people who will bear witness to him with power. And yet we recognize that we're in this place of opposition, a world of opposition. And so we wait for his return. In the same way you saw him go, you will see him come again. As people in Christ, we have this incredible hope. And upon his return, all things will finally be made new. There will be no more waiting. The project will be complete. New heaven, new earth ruled by the king of all kings and still his people empowered as not witnesses but as a priesthood of kings and queens ruling and reigning with him over all of creation. This is the vision that scripture gives us of what it means for the kingdom of God to come. It has begun. It is already but it is not yet complete. When will it be complete? What you will see? Again, the times and the dates, those are for the father to decide, not for you. What will you see when its time is come for completion? You will see him coming just as you saw him go. The return of Christ is a hope that is birthed in the soul of a Christian that while we might ache for the brokenness of our world, We will ache as people of hope, knowing there will be a day when he returns. And we, too, will then live with resurrected bodies, with changed bodies, no longer bound by mortality, disease, but living and flourishing with eternal life, just like Jesus himself. And in the meantime, in the meantime, Our story, Matt's story, your story, is written into the story. It has begun. It has not yet been completed. And we live in this space where the journey continues. And so what is God doing? He is advancing his kingdom near, far, and everywhere. How is he doing it? Through his people who have power by his spirit serving as his witnesses. Friends, this is your story. This is my story. This is what's happening now in our day. And everywhere you go, the kingdom of heaven is on the move. Today, we are recipients. Listen to this. We are recipients of the witness that has been passed down through the centuries And around the globe. We are sitting here because others have been faithful witnesses, not only preserved for us in Scripture, but your grandma and your mother and your father, your Sunday school teacher, your uh, baseball coach, your neighbor, somebody, probably multiple somebody's, were faithful witnesses to you, and that is why we are here. So we are recipients of faithful witness. We are also commissioned as witnesses. As we take up the mantle of blessing which has been given to us. You will be blessed so that you can be a blessing. And wherever we go, the ministry of Jesus continues in our day. In us and resonating from us into all the world. A lot of times when we think about missionary or mission, we think about something way out there and disconnected from us. But I love how Dave Molin, one of our elders, uh, and a great missionary himself here and far, says it like this. I love. He just said this. Um, the mission of God is not where we go. The mission of God is where we are. Isn't that great? The mission of God is not about where we go. The mission of God is about where we are. So the mission of God is alive and active in your home. The mission of God is alive and active in your car. Hello there. The mission of God is active where you work. The mission of God is active in your neighborhood. The mission of God is active everywhere you go. Your feet are beautiful. And so should we explore this together? What this mission of God looks like? What it looks like to carry the mantle as witnesses in our day that we might see the kingdom of God in our midst. That's what we're going to keep exploring together. With power through his spirit, we are witnesses. Let me pray. Jesus, it really is remarkable. Continue to teach us, grow us. Um, Open our eyes to see just even this week that everywhere we go, Ours are the beautiful feet that bring good news. That Jesus is alive, that he reigns even today as you sit at the right hand of the Father. We worship you because you are worthy of worship and we bear witness to you for you are Lord. You have overcome sin and death. You have drawn us into your life by your grace that we might know newness, Even if just a taste today, fill us and empower us by your spirit that we might bear witness to who you are as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would. All of you with beautiful feet, stand up, get those feet ready. Right? They're beautiful feet and they're getting ready to go out into the world. This is how the, the, the kingdom of God spreads in our day through you. May you know his joy. May you know his peace. May you know his power through his spirit alive in you as you go. If you have never taken that step, to receive the goodness of God for yourself. What a beautiful gift you're missing out on. Don't miss out any longer. Our prayer team would love to be able to talk with you. You come up and just say, I want to follow Jesus. We'll take it from there. And they'll pray with you. They're Not going to keep you all day, but they'll pray with you that you might know this new life, that his spirit would breathe deeply in you as you go. If there's any other reason we can pray for you, we'd love to be able to do that before you take off here today. And as you go, you go with beautiful feet. And may you know him as you walk with him. Thanks for being here. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.